Jack Stein, Spike O'Neill sitting in. Spike, the uh, story that has been weirdly kind of lingering in the background, I suppose, of the news cycle has been this train derailment in Ohio, but then also all the other train derailments that have happened over the last four or five days. I mean, there has been several train derailments, and it seems as if something is amiss in the fine United States where we are having this many derailments so close together. Now, I know that Pete Buttigieg came out and he said, well, there's at least a thousand train derailments a year. And and everyone was like, "Okay, but they're not this bad. This seems pretty bad. And so when I'm analyzing this Ohio town, uh, East Palestine, I'm thinking to myself, I don't understand why the federal government didn't step in and deal with this with the severity that it demanded. I don't understand where all this like light handed, no FEMA, no EPA, just kind of it's a, it's under control. We're not too worried about it. It doesn't none of this made any sense to me. So I did a bit of a deep dive into the research. But before we get into that, Spike, you got any what are your uh, inside thoughts on this particular issue? Well, I was shocked and yet not surprised Wow! to learn that there was additional chemical danger to the yeah. community than was initially reported by the rail company that operated this line. That was my first, you know, okay, that's mind-blowing, and yet that's another duh moment. Right, yeah. That self-regulation of an industry is maybe not the best for the people that an industry helps and can impact. Yeah, okay, so so a lot of people are saying that this has, you know, we need to to go back and blame Trump about this. And the well, reason I, that they- I can blame Trump for anything in six moves. You know that game. <laughs> We've played that game far too often, so let's not, I'm not going to bother the well, audience with that game today, but go well, ahead. The argument is, is that three years into Trump's presidency, he, he repealed the Obama administration's desire mm-hmm. that when there were trains that were carrying hazardous materials near towns, that they had to slow down. That was an Obama-era regulation. Mm-hmm. And I don't know the numbers on how, but they were supposed to slow down. Donald Trump comes into office and he says, you know what? I don't think that we need that. So there are people out there who are so desperate to talk about Donald Trump that they say, well, this is Donald Trump's fault. Other people are saying, though, that this is an infrastructure problem, that the reason that we're seeing this now is that because there have been uh, uh, communities in Michigan and Ohio and Pennsylvania that have been talking about their infrastructure problems for decades at this point in time. Well, luckily, and- every week was infrastructure week with the Trump administration, <laughs> so everything got solved, right? <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, and meanwhile, so- it was Joe Biden's administration and, by the way, a very partisan, a bipartisan effort in Congress, including right. Mitt Romney, to get the infrastructure bill passed. So there's, but then other people are saying, Spike, that this is the uh, this is the company's fault because mm-hmm. they are overworking these these uh, conductors. They're running these trains too fast. That the profit motive is driving these companies to uh, commit dangerous acts around these towns. So there's lots of blame to go around if we want to blame people. Well, I, I, from what I understood, also there was a bearing or a, a issue with one of the the wheels of this train okay. that heated up to the point of failure. And it was it was a system that was failing and should have been monitored and replaced and wasn't. Okay. Because it's on the companies to do their own regulation. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, again, I'm sure that we can find enough blame for Joe Biden or, or Donald a- absolutely, Trump or absolutely. Barack Obama. Well, you know, I'm, I'm just you know. a, I'm a big fan of regulation. I'm not talking about regulation sure. to the point of choking off business. Clearly, okay. the rail industry is doing fine, but sometimes you need the government to step in. And take care of the citizens 
who elect them and pay taxes into them. Right. And that's what I don't understand about this spike is like, why wasn't FEMA there? Why wasn't there disaster relief? Why? There's so many things about this story that are just odd when when you have Mike DeWine, the governor of Ohio, coming out and saying, oh, the water's fine to drink. <clears throat> well, uh, well, do you remember Aaron Brockovich? Yes, I do. And, and that was the that was the, the where I was going to go with. Good, this, is good. There are there are hundreds of videos on Twitter and on Reddit where you can see. People in Ohio around East Palestine, uh, East Palestine and its surrounding areas who are demonstrating that there are clearly chemicals in their waterways. There are fish that are dying. There are birds that are dying 10 miles outside of East Palestine. So none of this makes any sense when Mike DeWine comes out or Pete Buttigieg comes out and they go, ah, it's fine. Not that big of a deal. Uh, so, Spike, when I did my deep dive. Because you know how much I love the internet, and you know how much I love wasting my time on the internet. <laughs> That's where you get all your guitars. <laughs> right, exactly. So I did some research into this, and uh, vinyl chloride, apparently the way that you're supposed to deal with it, if it spills, is it because it boils at such a low temperature. Apparently, you're the if it spills anywhere, you're supposed to cover it in sand, very fine-grained sand. So the idea is, at least from what I have read, is that if you're in a... A situation where the train derails and any amount gets out, you're supposed to bury it in sand, wait a couple hours, and then dig out the substrate, however far down it goes. Could be a foot, could be two feet, could be ten feet. But you're supposed to dig it all out, remove that soil, and then test the water table for the next six months to make sure you got it all. Right. Here, what they decided to do was to let it burn. And I have no idea. I have not seen a single piece of literature. And if anybody is a chemical engineer and you can correct me on this, I'm more than fine to be corrected on this. I have not seen a single piece of literature in my hours that I waste on the Internet suggesting that the way that you deal with vinyl chloride is to burn it. Not a single one. And yet this was championed as some kind of success. And nobody really talked about it. It was all over Twitter for days and days and days and days and days. And then all of a sudden, mainstream media picks it up. I'm not going to be one of these guys that's like, mainstream media ignored it. But then they pick it up as soon as this stuff starts coming out about the water. And, and Mike DeWine comes out and he says, well, you can drink the water and the water is safe to drink. I'm thinking to myself, this, I think, is, and I don't want to get too conspiratorial. This seems botched to me by many different people. And now there's a lot of CYA going on. There's a lot of people trying to pass the buck to somebody else because somebody made the decision to let that burn. And if you look at the images from East Palestine, it looks like Chernobyl. That doesn't look healthy. It doesn't look like, look like you can breathe that air. And yet there are people who are saying, totally fine. Air quality is totally fine. Then why are people being admitted to the hospital with like chlorine poison, poisoning like symptoms, which, by the way, is a part of exposure to to vinyl chloride it doesn't make any sense to me well, but again if there's a chemical engineer out there who wants to correct me i'm more than happy to be corrected it just doesn't make any sense why you would burn it when it's two feet away from a town you know, you know and, and with the volume that was spilled right into the water table you know they, we tested the four wells that feed this town water it's safe my point about Aaron Brockovich was, my favorite scene was, here, have a glass of water. We brought that straight from the well at Hinkley. I want to see Mike DeWine and his grandkids dip down with a cup and drink the water sure. in East Palestine. <laughs> Otherwise, shut the hell up yeah. about safe water. You bring in bottled water for six months if you have to. You dig down hundreds of feet if you have to. 
Yeah. And you put the entire bill on the rail line company that just blew up next to your town. If everybody's going to let the, you know, the business dictate and take the government out of business and let us just be free market and let the market decide, when right. you blow up a train next to a town, it's on you to clean it up. And if you offer financial assistance like this rail line has done to the citizens of East Palestine, it's not at the uh, for, foregoing of any further liability. You don't yeah. hold them hostage with a check for 400 bucks. Or four thousand bucks, or ten thousand, forty thousand bucks. If you're going to give their kids cancer, you don't get off the hook by solving the problem today. Yeah, and I saw, you know, I saw a piece of footage uh, spike that really tore me up. It was a woman who's lived there her entire life, and she says, "I'm leaving." She says, "There's no way I can keep my kids here." And the reporter says, "Why?" And she says, "I can't breathe." She says, my the, kids the air can't smells like uh, nail polish remover <laughs> or nail polish, uh, even worse. Yeah. How, how is yeah. that safe? Yeah. And so I, I hate to get all Alex Jonesy about this, but how can Pete Buttigieg come out 10 days after the accident and say, hey, you know, train derailments happen all the time. And, you know, we got this under control and it's really not that big. very casual about it. When I when me, citizen journalist, I'm looking at the images. Yeah. I'm looking at the videos from people who live there. I'm looking at the videos from people who live outside of East Palestine, who live 10, 20 miles away, and there's dead birds everywhere. And I think to myself, what, what motivation does Pete Buttigieg or Mike DeWine have to lie to people, to tell them that it's fine? I, 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 am, I just have no, no, nothing else comes to mind other than malintent. And I hate well, to say that. Mm, but. I, I, can, I can see the side of the argument where you're trying to keep people calm. Sure. Okay. okay. But Valid, that, but yeah. not but not at the expense of hey look we know rail accidents happen a thousand times in this country a year a thousand derailments but this is a unique situation that affects that involves chemicals and public safety so we're going right. to treat this as cautiously and as carefully as we need to and that's what you do you don't dismiss the severity of the situation which both those elected officials are doing again yeah. I get the need for calm you know like Kevin Bacon in Animal House remain calm all is well you know that's not <laughs> what you want from your governor or your secretary of transportation right yeah okay so let's do the right thing by the people of palestine east palestine let's do the right thing by everybody you know i said uh, earlier this week i was on with mike lewis and we're talking about this story and i think that railroads that transport chemicals like this or anything that's dangerous to a community should be required to carry them in tankers that are literally bulletproof you should, if you're going to have a flammable, toxic chemical moving on a rail right. through town, it's not about how fast the train's going. It's not about how, how last time you checked the wheel bearings to make sure mm-hmm. there was enough grease in there. You know, you should be able to hit these things with a missile and have it bounce off. And, yeah, if, it, and if that's too much of the cost of doing business, then get out of the business. The other thing that struck me that was weird about this is that uh, vinyl chlor- chloride? Chlorine? Is, or, no. Yeah. Yeah. yeah poly, well, there's two. There's two. There's polyvinyl chloride, which okay. is the one that is. It's the one, according to my Wikipedia research, it's the one that's more stable. It's the one that's in plastics and it's used because it's the, okay. the poly molecule. And then there's vinyl chloride, which boils at eight degrees Fahrenheit. So they have to transport it in these tankers that, uh, or they keep it in liquid form and are below that. So what doesn't make any sense to me is that you would imagine that if it's in a tanker that has to be cooled to that temperature, what? how is it so permeable? This is the other thing that right. doesn't make any sense to me is that if, if you know that if it starts to boil at 8 degrees Fahrenheit and you're transporting it in like 
I don't know, what equates to a Coke can. What yeah, <laughs> What were no. you doing? It, it seems to me that there is something else. Go- and I'm not saying that this was done intentionally. I'm not saying it was an act of terrorism. But this is either corporate malfeasance or capitalist malfeasance or whatever it is that needs to be accounted for. Because I would hate to see something like this happen in the fine state of Washington. And that's the point that I wanted to get to, Spike, is I don't think that this is some removed circumstance where we, we can just go, oh, well, that's too bad for the people in East Palestine. I think it could happen anywhere. And I'm not trying to scare people. No, no. I'm just Secretary, right, I'm just, Secretary of Transportation said it happens a thousand times a year. A thousand times you a year. You bet it can happen here, there, and everywhere. Right. So my thought is what then to do other than to write to legislatures and say, I want to make sure that this doesn't happen in my little town or, you know, I want to make sure that right. this doesn't happen. And what can we do to ensure that this is not the case? Because if it if it was the Trump uh, regulations being rolled back, well, maybe we should revisit that and say, mm-hmm. yeah, if you're if you're outside of a town, you got to slow down. Thanks, Obama. If it was the um, I don't know, whatever it was, I would want to see massive corrections done. And I would also want to see Joe Biden step up a little bit and say, I don't want to have a thousand train derailments a year. Yeah, That's yes, not good, exactly. Right? I, I don't want I don't want Chinese balloons floating the country. I don't want trains <laughs> hopping off the rails down here. No, you're absolutely yeah. right. Right? right. You know, and and when a when a company has to come out after the fact and say, oh, there are a lot worse stuff in those tanks than we initially told you. Right. Yes. You know, uh, the fact that we let industries regulate themselves. It happens with airlines. When airline problems happen, it's because we let the industries regulate themselves. We want government out of our business. Well, sometimes when government gets out of your business, your business is trying to kill you. It's a lot more profitable to be the, the butthead industry that dumps chemicals in the river until it catches on fire or right. shoots pollutions into the air until you can't see through the air. That's a lot more profitable. Why would any company – and some companies have fiduciary responsibilities to operate as economically feasible and efficiently as possible for their stockholders. You have, you have different masters at that point. You can't serve the public and your stockholders. If your job is to get them as much profit as possible, that's why you got their money in stock um, investments. You can't well, then also serve the community and keep them safe. And Yeah, and, and the other thing that I find so bizarre about this, Mike, and I hate to go over this again, but if, if you have a, an incident of that magnitude where people are being displaced, where is FEMA? Well, maybe, maybe what, FEMA didn't get called because we didn't know how bad it was when it, when it happened. Sure. Sure, but like, and also Mike Mike DeWine or, or JD Vance or Sherrod Brown, e- any of these individuals, they didn't release statements for ten days. That's ridiculous, this, right? This yeah, is what's that, I don't so care what weird party you're part of. Spike. That is that is ridiculous. And so I think to myself, this is just it seems to me like uh, ineptitude at almost every single level of government that we see, and also from the company itself, just ineptitude after ineptitude. And the unfortunate part about it is that you end up with a, a, a town that's effectively ruined, right? I, yeah. I don't think – I mean, what can you do in that town? Can you trust the water in that town? Can you when, – when I saw a video spike, guys, he's like, they're telling me that this water is safe for my kids, and he boils it. And as he's starting to boil it, a rainbow sheen starts to appear at the top of the pot, which is what – uh, Those uh, are the chemicals your kids are not supposed right. to have in their body. That's what vinyl chloride looks yeah. like when it's on top of water. And then it starts to it starts to bubble uncontrollably. And I thought to myself, this is not good. Why is Mike DeWine saying people should drink that water? It doesn't make any sense. So I, I hate to beat it at No, I hear you. But how many people live in East Palestine, Ohio? Do we know what the population affected by this is? It's like 18,000 people. We'll it's, put them all at Disney World for six months on the, on yeah, the railroad's dime. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. and I mean, clean it, move them out, clean, and and you're all on vacation. You're working remotely. Here's your ISDN line, whatever it takes. 
Yeah, I mean, if I think that if we lived in a fair and just society, there would be federal assistance for those people if, so that they could rebuild their lives and that there and, and there would be some kind of acknowledgement that this isn't some kind of a, well, you know, it happens all the time, but this one was kind of bad. You would think that there would be yeah. an, some adult in the room who would be able to say there there needs to be more done about this. This is a serious incident of malfeasance or you know ineptitude and we do need to do something about that but hopefully just talking about it and and chatting about it makes people realize that there there should be tighter regulations on specific industries specifically when they're carrying chemicals that can give you cancer in a matter of months well, i remember right? i remember when they when they wanted to ship coal uh through the state of washington to ports on our shore for shipping overseas Mm. And the state of Washington stepped up and said, no, we don't want the even the coal dust from open open coal cars that would residually fall to the side of the tracks and affect the communities that those trains run through in Washington. That was the government stepping up and saying, wait a minute, our citizens deserve better than you finding the most expeditious and financially, you know, beneficial way to get coal from your mines in, in the middle of the country, over to the shortest, ship it overseas. And it's the same thing. I hate to bring it up because I know where the text lines are going to go. But with the um, Keystone XL pipeline, let's run tar sands through America's largest aquifer, (laughs) the Okanagan aquifer, which supplies 30% of all agricultural hydration for this country's groceries. Okay? Let's run that tar sands over the biggest aquifer in America so we can process it and ship it abroad so the company can make more money. I liked the pipeline, Spike. I thought it was a great idea. <laughs> I, I had a feeling we'd be on different sides of the rails on this one. I thought different it was a side great of the idea. tracks. With Jack Stein and the world famous Spike O'Neill. Spike, have I ever told you that traffic is my worst self? When I am in traffic, I turn into another human being. I start to slowly, mentally, I just erode into the most terrible human being you've ever met in your life. Wow. It is it is awful. I don't know what it is, but just imagine you and I are in a car and we're driving along, and then all of a sudden we hit a little traffic. I get irritable. I get angry. I start saying things that, I, and Spike, you know me. I'm normally a pretty jovial You're pretty, person. Pretty lax kid. Yeah. Pretty lax guy, yeah, yeah. right? But then if I'm stuck in traffic, if I'm not going the speed limit yeah. or somewhere near, if, if we're in a 65 and we're going 45, I can deal with that. Right. If You're we're moving. Going, You're moving. If we're yeah. going five, I will turn into, it's like I morph into another person. It's Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. I go full. I'll start yelling. It's really, I don't know what wow. it is. I'm yeah, so it's sorry, thing. dude. It's, it's okay, man. I appreciate it, Spike. I, uh, I, I hope you can forgive me for the last time we were in traffic. No, 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 no. <laughs> so here, here's the thing, Jack. I, yeah. I, I've been there. I have been that guy. And I don't know if it's just, you know, I, I'm, I just hit my 60th birthday. I, I've, I, I immediately, I eat earlier in the day now. I hit all the early bird specials. I, I drive slower. I've always got my blinker on. I've got a seatbelt hanging out of my door, scar, you know, sparking up the street as I go. I drive so Ballard now. I'm so Ballard. No, yeah, very- uh, but, uh, but here's the thing. I used to be the exact same guy in a car. Yeah. And it's, I don't know what it was, but at some point I realized I'm not getting there any faster by yelling mm. at the guy in front of me. Yeah. It does, it's not, I'm just burning fuel from my life. 
yes. in that car, raging out, being so so sprung about not moving. I had a guy, I swear to you, Jack, I was coming to the show today, and there's a lot of traffic in Seattle today. I'm coming down I-5. It is four lanes of bumper to bumper. We're wow. crawling, right, from Northgate down into the city. We are literally less, between five and ten miles an hour, so we're crawling. I've got a guy in a Prius behind me. I, he is so close, I can't even see the front hood of his car. All in my rear, all in my back window is his windshield is the only thing in my window. And he's flashing his high beams at me because yeah. I've got three car lengths ahead of me. Now, and this guy's just flashing me and flashing me. And, I, and so, okay, I can go even slower. That's cool. I can slow it down a little bit, right? And he flashed me again, so I literally brake checked him. Okay? Wow. I did. You know, and, and then wow. I, pu- I pulled up to two, three car lengths. And he gets right on my, my, my tail again. And I'm like, buddy, I'm like, he can see ahead of me. People are bumper to bumper. It's not like I've got open freeway ahead of me and he's riding my tail because I won't get out of the way. Right. Yeah. I'm like, where are you going to go? I finally, you know, we got to a point where there were different on-ramp mergings. And I, even I slowed down, got right on the tail of the guy in front of me. And he's right on my tail again. I'm just like, and, and so he was going through exactly what you were going through. That anxiety and rage of sitting when you need to, I get it his I get it his schedule was tight. I was on my way here, you know. I mean right, my yeah, schedule's yeah, yeah, tight yeah, yeah. too. If I'm not here at twelve oh six, it's the Jack and Stein show. Yeah, exactly. All Jack, yeah, yeah, all yeah. Stein, all day. <laughs> and not that that's a bad thing. I'm just saying we all got we all got places to be. Right. There's only so much mental peace of mind and, and gray matter we have to spend. I we gotta spend it wisely. Just like the last story. But where is our money going to go? Right? Yeah. It's, it's got to just make sure you're spending it wisely. And don't, yeah. don't sweat the small stuff. Anxiety is not worth it. And unfortunately, no. Seattle tech workers are having some of the worst layoff anxiety in the United States. This is according to a study that was done. Looks like there's about 48,000 job cuts, uh, cuts announced by major companies in the sector. Smart asset personal finance company ranked U.S. cities with the most layoff anxiety using Google Trends data for 49 metro based on the average number of searches for the following keywords, layoffs, severance, pay, recession, downsizing, unemployment benefits, and furlough. And Andrew, I hope, hope, hope that you dropped that, yeah? I did now, yep. Yeah, yeah, you bet. <laughs> well, yeah. Way to chase I don't that even know what around. you're talking about. I yeah, didn't hear any, anything. It was all you said it clearly. I'll say it in court. You got it right. <laughs> I don't think you didn't, I did. You didn't Tony Romo this job. Oh, we got you. Man. We got you. Wow. We got you. That's, that's some layoff anxiety right well, there well, that no, I just wait, had. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You know what? <laughs> I saw this as the good news story of the day. Yeah. I really did because... You know, we can't be the tech sector capital of America. We can't revel in the fact that Microsoft, Google, Facebook, Amazon, they're all here. We can't revel in that and benefit from that. And we are without understanding that comes with downside. You know, if there's going to be a sector layoff like there is in the tech sector, of course, if we're going to be the tech jewel of America, we're the new Silicon Valley with with rain. I mean, we right. are. <laughs> exactly. Right? We really right. are. Yeah. But that comes with the fact that when there are corrections in the sector, and these are, let's own it, these are corrections in the sector. This is what it's supposed to be, these, this elimination of jobs in this sector. When COVID hit and everybody got to work from home in their half suit and their jammies and slippers, that was joyous. Yes. But that was temporary. And when money was free and the government was giving out zero interest loans to everybody, all the banks were zero interest loans, you could expand your little bottoms off. Literally. And you did. But now the real world is back. And it's correction time. 
Yeah, and I don't, I don't understand, Spike, this, this insistence that people still get to work from home. I don't understand, because Amazon, Amazon just He says from his house. <laughs> <laughs> you son of a... No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So Amazon ended their work from home policy. It's going to be effective May 1st, right? And, mm-hmm. and yet, if you go on Twitter today, there are people who are losing their minds who <sighs> work for Amazon or any of these, other, of these other companies who are saying, I can't work from the office. <sighs> I have to be able to work from home. I've acclimated to this lifestyle. Okay, well, I, I hope life in Coddlesburg is fine for you nice people. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, so so my thing is like, and as someone who's been laid off in my time, mm-hmm. uh, it's part of the natural cycle, right? I mean, you, you get a job, you lose a job. I don't understand why people have this this anxiety around it if you have a skill set around it. Like, I've never seen a good carpenter out of work. I've never seen someone who's mm. really skilled at what they do. A, a friend of mine codes uh, for a, a data collection company. The guy has been laid off, I don't know, five or six times for whatever reason. Downsizing, company goes under, and he always finds new work. If you're good at what you do and you have a skill set, it's not difficult to find a new job. It seems to me like there's a lot of people out there who maybe kind of snuck their way in. Do you know what I mean? They maybe, yeah. Maybe yeah, well, they, they overhired. They overhired. They completely maybe overhired. They don't necessarily know what they're doing, and maybe they use chat GPT one too many times <laughs> to do a little coding, and now they're a little anxious that they might lose their job, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, guy, well, but well, if you were good at it, if you, were, if you had a skill set, a marketable skill set, that is something to be confident in that you could leave a job and go somewhere else. There's, there's, a, there's a television network, an entire network dedicated to this. What's it called? Um, oh, yeah, National Geographic. <laughs> Look for the fat, slow gazelle at the yes. back of the pack. That's you <laughs> at home in your jammies and slippers wondering why you've got to go back to work. Right. Seriously, people. I mean, this is the first real-life wake-up call a lot of people have gotten. And I don't, yeah. mean, I don't mean to be yeah. dismissive of folks no, who have lost their job. You're right, Trust, trust right, me though. when I tell you, I was out of work in my chosen profession for going on three and a half years. Yeah. And it was heartbreaking and debilitating and soul-crushing. I went back to school and got a degree. I entered an entirely new field. I traveled to to Portland every week for a paying job at one point. Yeah. So I get what people go through about anxiety about losing your gig. But, you know, this is the real world, kids. And some of you folks, to Jack's point, you're eminently employable. It's not like there's 48,000 layoffs at the, the wheel, the mill, you know, where you're grinding stone or grinding creative with a big stone mill. Yeah. You're going to find work in coding or tech or whatever you do. You may have to tighten your belt, may have to lower your expectations, may have to take a job that doesn't give you all the free sodas and pasta bar you want. <laughs> okay? And the the matcha and the red wine Seriously, on tap, but right? you're yeah, not yeah. going to be living under a bridge. You're going to be fine. Chill, 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 chill. Yeah. I know that we're supposed to be talking about this guy who just pled guilty to smuggling hundreds of Indian nationals into Seattle using Uber. I know this is what is on the docket for us to talk about. Okay. However, I have to do a hard segue. Do you get do you get targeted ads ever? Of course I do. Do you would you mind uh, uh being transparent with me, the audience, dangerous Dave Burbank, Andrew, about what kind of targeted oh, ads? Oh, let me let me just pop my phone open, hit my social media platform, and see. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you real time, honest yeah. assessment of what my okay. ads are. Uh, okay, I, I we're looking to buy another vehicle. 
Mm, and I, okay. I made the horrific mistake of doing a search on my computer yes. for used vehicles. <laughs> and now 95% of my feed is every used vehicle distributor, whether it's a national website or a local car dealership, I get them all. It's that bunkers, uh, bullets, and erectile dysfunction. That's all I get yeah. all day long. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so I have much the same. However, for me, Spike, you know, I have a, I have a problem. I enjoy buying guitars. Boutique guitars, one-off guitars, hard-to-find okay. vintage guitars. It's my addiction. I had uh, Joe Riggio in Tacoma built me a guitar. He's a master luthier. He built me a, a custom Telecaster. It's one of the best guitars that I have. And so I do a lot of Googling on custom guitars, boutique guitars, high-end. I'm talking four, five, six thousand $6,000 guitars. Holy cow. And, yeah, so I have a problem. <laughs> like, I have a sincere problem. And so what I have... When I open this article from Como News, I'm supposed to be doing my job and I'm supposed to be, you know, yep, relaying yep. this article you. to the people. It's an important but story. I, I am looking at ads for beautiful, beautiful boutique guitars. I mean, just gorgeous. And it's basically like, you know, Spike, I struggled with substance addiction for a very long time. It's basically like if I opened Como News and I saw a big old bag of cocaine and it said, <laughs> <God>. <laughs> right. And I saw a big old bag of heroin and it said, you can order this right now. All I have. And there's to do Snorky is- the Straw, their mascot. <laughs> hey, Jack, we miss you, buddy. Right, Where you exactly. been, old friend? Exactly. So like I'm looking at this Jag, this, uh, this, this 65, uh, Jaguar. Oh, 65 Jaguar? That's been- is it seafoam or what is it? No, it's, it's tobacco burst, oh. but it's been, it's been modded with humbuckers. Oh, we could talk uh, guitar uh, porn right. all day, man. Right. It, so, who's he at? Sweetwater or? Or is it the uh, guitar? Reverb. reverb. Okay, reverb. So, okay. I know so guitar ads too, man. Right. So I'm looking at this thing and I go, I've got $6,500. <laughs> oh well, then hold on. Save your money and buy a Jesus ad in the Super Bowl. Put your well, money where it counts, man. If you're no, going to blow money, you know. Right. But this is a problem, Spike, is I've got I've right directly in front of me right now, I've got one, two, three, four boutique guitars. I've got a brand new Les Paul that I just bought like two weeks ago. Under my bed, I've got three guitars. I've got a lot of money invested into guitars. I don't need a $6,500 Jag, uh, um, but, you but want I want it. it. Yeah. But I want it. I want it really bad. And so this is the issue that I have with targeted ads is that for me, it is it is literally a detriment to my well-being because I think to myself, I need that. I should buy that. I'm going to get that. And and so now I have to, you know, there's it's, there's no escaping it. There's no getting away from it. For me, do you know what I mean? Well, so luckily, luckily, there's a committee in Congress staffed with 85-year-old men yes. who are going to find a solution to this predatory <laughs> algorithm they're using. I, I, I know, know, right? It's The people are in charge of making our Internet decisions as far as the restrictions and laws that are applied to our social medias and Internet feeds. We need to get some 23. This kid, um, Max Str- Smart, Max Strong, what's his name? The ki- Max Frost. The kid yes. from... from Florida, the 25-year-old representative who's just elected from Florida, who, by the way, is is laying some wood down at these these oversight hearings. He is bringing mm-hmm. truth to power. At yeah. the, he's not trying to make sound bites. He's just dishing out facts and figures. He should be in charge of all the Internet laws for this government because he's the only guy that even knows how to navigate the stuff. Yeah, I mean, I was watching a, a, a Senate hearing where well, I won't mention the senator's name, but he, he says – uh, they're talking in reference to to Twitter, and, and he he says, "Can someone tell me exactly what the difference between Twitter and a tweet is?" 
And I thought oh to myself, God. how is this guy on the committee hearing? What you do is you hold up a big, this is a baseball. There is a game called baseball. That's the analogy you need to remember, Senator. Right. This is a baseball. That is the baseball. This so, is a tweet. That is the Twitter. I'm thinking we need to get away from targeted ads because this is not good. I don't well, think it's good for people in general, whether it's a used car or, you know, boutique uh, guitars that Jack Stein will be entering his credit card information in it during the break. Well, my uh, advice to you is to stop <laughs> buying guitars and start buying parts to a time machine. I, That's the only way, the only way targeted ads are not going to follow you to your grave. And by the way, just because we mentioned grave, you'll now get targeted ads from crematoriums, memorial homes and coffin dealers. Yeah, exactly. That's the targeted ads that are coming your way next. Uh, And and we should just take a second. I know we're up against a hard break for the top of the hour. A man has been smuggling Indian nationals into Seattle using Uber through the Canadian border. Hundreds of Indian nationals are being smuggled into America by an Uber driver. I think the good news here is people are actually trying to come to America. Yeah. I'm amazed it's not going the other direction. (laughs) Uber drivers smuggling people into Canada. Well, and also the good news is that he pled guilty. So, you know, yeah. it's uh, uh, all's well that ends well, I say. And uh, I, we'll take, I tell oh, you the stories at Como News, but as Matt Markovich just told us, they're not worth the salt. So <laughs> just full disclosure.